¿No se merece tu familia lo mejor? Entonces, ¿por qué no los mejores huevos? Ahora, Egglands Best están disponibles en deliciosas opciones. Huevos clásicos de gallina libre de jaula y orgánicos de Egglands, que ofrecen un sabor más delicioso y fresco de granja, que le encantará a tu familia. En comparación con los huevos ordinarios, Egglands Best contiene la mejor nutrición como 6 veces más vitamina D, 10 veces más vitamina E y el doble de omega 3 y B12. Solo Egglands Best. Mejor sabor, mejor nutrición, mejores huevos. Visita egglandsbest.com para más información. Spring training is right around the corner. So, come for the games and have a ball in Arizona. With world-class resorts, unbeatable dining and nightlife, amazing scenery, and endless outdoor adventure. Make your visit unforgettable. Plan your getaway at myspringtraining.com. Welcome to Garden Views. Interesting conversations with interesting people who have done and or are doing interesting things. So sit back and enjoy. Welcome into Garden Views. Welcome everybody into Garden Views. We are continuing our exploration into oh, space. What is that? Okay, I'm going to hit stop on that. Sorry about that. <laughs> I, know, I, I, thought that I, thought, I thought you had a, a, a recorded intro and then you talk. Uh, I thought I had a recorded uh, intro too. And uh, this is the continuing adventures of Jeff without his uh, producer. So when I picked up on Media Player Garden Views and heard the intro, I never bothered to listen to the end. And apparently I saved the entire recorded episode. So enough about that. This is not about space or anything like that. This is with a friend of the show, uh, and it's Kevin Castle, who um, he can use his shoot name if he wants, but he's uh, semi-famous in the podcasting world for wrestling and pop culture as Kevin Castle. So if he wants to use his shoot name, he will. But if not, I will keep it at Kevin Castle. Um, And he's been on Garden of Doom a few times. He's been on Hammerlock Hangover a few times. Um, But what we're going to talk about today is not wrestling, because what... Uh, Kevin mostly talks about on podcasts as other stuff, but in that he lets lets it be known that he has been in the music and club business for his entire professional life. He manages and books bands for major venues in the New York City area. He also has managed and currently manages uh, certain bag, bands as well. So that's a business I know very little about. Um so I figured that we'd have Kevin on and talk about that, and maybe it's something different for him to talk about as well. So, Kevin, thanks so much for being on Garden Views. How are you doing tonight? Good, man. Thanks for having me on. That's a, that's a nice intro. It's a better intro than I get on my own shows uh, when well, I have you... uh, other uh, co-hosts on. Build, build me up. I like to be built up. I'm not built up often enough on my own shows. Um, put you over. We're going to put you uh, over. Yeah, put me over. The, yeah, they go, the wrestling. We always, it always goes back to wrestling. Um no, I, I, Kevin Cass is what everybody knows me. People don't even know me by my real last name anyway. From in this world, they'd be like, "Who the fuck is that?" Uh, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So Castle is fine. Thirty years using that name now. So fair enough. So Kevin, look, you know, if you want to give a brief bio, you can. If not, you can go into sort of how you got into the business and sort of you know correct or embellish on my description of your real world job or jobs. 
Uh, well, actually, this year, we don't know the exact date. Like, I was talking to people who work with me, even to this day, didn't exact started out with me a couple of years later, guys I actually hired, of uh, when my initial start date was in the business. But it was in uh, 1993, early 1993, sometime in February. So this would probably be the month, or maybe it was March 1st. We're, we're still debating on that. We can't find those books that far back. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so 30 years this year in the uh, club businesses in general, from starting out, from handing out flyers to coat check to – as you would see, someone work their way up, maybe in the hotel industry or the restaurant business, starting out as a busboy, becoming a maitre d', maybe becoming a manager, kind of just that process of, you know, again, back to wrestling, paying dues and uh, learning the business from the inside out. Wrestling, too, like you see like a guy, Bruce Pritchard, who's a big shot today, started out putting up the ring and uh, driving the ring truck. And so, yeah, I started out humble beginnings. It wasn't like, oh, I started booking bands and limelight and made a name for myself. It took a while, but the, the whole process started in 1993, 30 years ago, almost to the day coming up. And ironically, uh, to just say this too, um, and I'll do some sort of celebratory thing, I guess, with Mish on Wrestling Soup for this uh, down the road, 20 years uh, now this year, 2003, where I started the hotlines, which turned into audio uh, audio uh, shows online, uh, which became called podcasts as of 2009, but I actually started in 2003. So 30 years in one industry, 20 years in the other, almost to the day is coming up. Wow. You're almost like a da Vinci of the, uh, of the entertainment world. It's crazy. Yeah, they say every 10 years I get into a new profession, but I didn't, I didn't do anything new in the 2010s, unfortunately. Uh, it's kind of same old, same old, but yeah, no, it's, it's kind of cool. I think longevity is, you know, always respectable in, in anything that you do. I think if you, you know, rent an apartment and you've been living in your landlord's house for 30 years, you must be a great tenant. I think if you, you know, do anything that you, uh, have longevity and clearly you're either doing something right or someone is overlooking all your flaws <laughs> and you've managed to skate the razor past any criticism. People didn't take a good look at you. But in my profession, that would be impossible. And you know in the, the wrestling podcast where it's impossible to hide, so to speak, uh, from any controversies. I mean, you know, you can get social media platforms can put you on blast at any minute for saying or doing the wrong thing. Uh, but it's about, I think, surviving and sticking around. And I've had adversity where probably other people would have quit over certain things, you know, that have happened to me where they would have not turned tail and run, but would have been like, fuck this, I'm not doing this anymore. And I kept at it. Now, honestly, the 2023 that we're in, probably happier than ever in both my professions. Uh, couldn't be happier in the podcast platform. I'm at exactly where I need to be right now. And as far, not maybe not as big as some of our you know, compadres and our compatriots like, you know, the JDs and the Jasons. But uh, I started out just as before them. They respect me as like kind of an OG. I don't need to be a top, top guy. I just need to be in the conversation and be respected as a groundbreaker, which I am, by the people who are important, not the naysayers. Who cares what they say? And same thing for the club profession. I don't work at the biggest venue, but I've worked at the big venues. Again, I kind of, you know, I kind of had a, a decent run in both aspects you know if you want to even you know do the hall of fame career probably more in my opinion in the club business yeah than uh because that's such a tough that's a fucking tough business wrestling podcasting uh you know come on 
I mean, and let's be honest, that anybody can do it. There's so much competition now. There's competition in the club business too, but COVID actually wiped out a bunch of competition of people who couldn't maintain. And I didn't want people to go down like that. Like you don't want to see even your uh, competition go down at the hands of something like, you know, the virus overtook them as far as financially and they weren't able to come back. You know, people have their runs and they run out of time time or they run out of steam, but you don't want to see anybody go down out of something that they couldn't control. That's like, you know, someone gets an illness. You don't wish that on anybody. That's not their fault or something if something strickens them. Um, but in podcasting, I thought, I'm pretty happy where I am. Uh, with the club business, happy too. I might have even taken a step back. Some might even say, a step down from the Don Tony Kevin's show, maybe a step back, a step down from Blackthorn 51, which is a major venue, to work a smaller venue. But I'm I'm where I need at mid 50s at this point. I'll be uh, 55 this year. Um, I'm happy where I am. I mean, that's a long. I went around the block a little bit to get to where I want, wanted to say to close this out. But I'm happy where I am right now. That's good. Um, and so we're going to focus mostly on the the club business and the music management business. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, you know, this is just going to be a, a 101 to, to the extent it, it's possible. Um, so, it, you know, I imagine that managing a club is, is like any other, you know, business. But I want to focus more on the music booking aspects of it. So, mm. how, you know, how does this happen? Does When I say this, how does booking a show happen? Does the club go out and so, go to, through agents or contact bands or do bands and or their agents contact the clubs and, you know, and, and, you know, are there contracts? What are the typical rates? Does it depend on how many tickets they sell or their anticipated draw? Do they take a percentage of the gate. I know I'm asking a million questions. In oh, one, right. but I'm just trying to give you an idea as to, you know, the roadmap where I want to go. Cause I, I know that you can sort of take it from there. Yeah, no, well, first of all, even starting out when I was starting to do shows and book shows, um, it was all from the ground up. Like I got a, a room first, uh, one of the first clubs I started out was a club called, which is no longer there. A lot of clubs are no longer there that I used to work at. It's, Cause you're talking 30 years ago. It was a club called Ferraris in Westbury uh, in Long Island. And uh, my cousin was dating a guy who was opening up the place. And I had worked in uh, 89, 90, 91, 92 doing fan club work and street team work for record labels uh, where you would be like the New York guy, California band. You would go out and hand out flyers for them and try and get your friends to come to the show, get a bunch of people. You'd get free tickets or if it was seated, you'd get great seats. So I did a lot of that stuff. So my cousin had said to her boyfriend, his name was Scott at the time, Scott Ferrari. That's his real name, by the way, too. Really? I, I've seen it. I haven't seen him in 25 years. But uh, I have no idea what happened to him. But he opened up this club, and it was going to be a mixture of a dance club and a rock club. And then we were just conversating one day. He came to pick her up for, I guess, a date, and we were at my aunt's house in Long Island. And she's like, you know, Kevin is like just a bastion of knowledge when it comes to rock bands and metal bands. And I was talking to him, and he's like, oh, you ever book shows? And I was like... Um, what do you mean, like as a promoter? Yeah, not really. I mean, I do street team work, but you know a lot of bands. Oh, yeah, no, I know a lot of bands, local bands, national acts. Yeah, he goes, so why don't you want to book maybe a couple of nights at the place? I says, well, yeah, you, you book the bands, you know, we'll we'll staff it, figure out, you know, we need how many bounces, whatever. and just going over, the, like, the whole thing, and I was like, all right, maybe this could be something interesting that I can do. I mean, I knew, I've, I've been to so many shows, and I talked to so many doormen at shows, and people worked in clubs, bartenders, sound men, I knew everybody, but I was the guy who... 
you know, pr- kind of promoted, but on the outside, like the flyers, and I would come in with the band, I'd be a friend of the band, but I wasn't the guy who put it all together. Uh, but And everyone would say, you know, do you ever see Paul Heyman's documentary where he goes, why can't I do this? And so I would be like, yeah, I mean, I do everything. I know the music business. Yeah, I can be that guy. Of course I can be. And all the bands would tell me, dude, you're bedside manner, the way you talk to people, your your, your chat, your, your, your chatter and all that stuff, and you got the jargon. You can easily book bands. Okay, all right. Well, I had a regular job. I was working at a place called the Institute of Justice as an administrative assistant for an attorney. And yeah, Ooh. I had a real, real job answering phones, so I always had a good speaking voice, and I always, again, my whole thing was talking. I, I was working on this Rome phone system, answering phones for about 14 different people at this company, so I was a good talker. And that's, again, how uh, Anthony Don Tony picked me out of everyone, leaving messages on his voicemail when he was doing a show for me to get to where I was with that in 2003. So yeah, my talking game always got me opportunities, and this was no different. So he gave me a night to book. I booked a couple of my Brooklyn friends' bands. Uh, I even booked a bus trip where we booked. Where we got about 60 people to come on a bus from Brooklyn to Long Island. We packed the place out. It was great. And so I made some good impressions, and he was impressed by what I did. And at the same time, I was going to shows. I don't know if you remember the old club, The Limelight in Manhattan. Remember, yeah, the, remember, the, remember the Limelight? Yeah. The big, big I club. remember Ferraris also. Okay, yeah. Ferraris was there for a few years. Then it became a strictly a dance club. But uh, so I booked the Rock Nights, the Rock Nights. I mean, so creative Rock Night. That's what it was called, R O C K Night. Uh, you nice. know, I've, I've become much more creative since then. Uh, <laughs> and and at the time, if you remember, Jeff, in 1993, grunge was king. I mean, yep. everything was Nirvana, Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, Screaming Trees, Grunge Truck. You know, all that that f- f- hair metal was dead. Everything was fucking grunge. So yeah. everybody wanted to say, everybody sound yeah. Better. Uh, Jane's Addiction, Alice in Chains, everybody, uh, Lollapalooza, you know, so um, everybody I booked sound like Alice in Chains, basically, right. or, or Pearl Jam. They did, everybody was a yardler, like, like singing like a <laughs> Seattle band. So there was no fights because it was so chill and it was mellow and it was dark and it was brooding. So there was no violence. So you didn't have to spend a lot on security, get the, the standard one security guy. Uh, actually, the law in New York is one security person for every 75 people. That's actually the law in the books. Uh, so believe it or not, if you have 150 people in a room, you only have to have two security guys by law it's in like New York. Care. You have to have X amount yeah. of, uh, yeah. of so it's 70, children. Right. One licensed security guy for every 75 people. So... Again, booked all these stuff, and it was successful. I was at the Limelight one night. I was there to see a band called Widowmaker, which is Dee Snyder from Twisted Sister. And I'm up at the top of uh, the area. It's like an you know, old church, gutted-out church that became a rock club. And I was with my friend uh, who worked for a metal magazine at the time, my friend Tom, and my other friend George who worked for Eric Records. So, again, I have all friends in the industry, and I'm kind of riding high from my several shows I've done at uh, Ferrari's. And I meet a guy who owns a club in Jackson Heights, Queens, called Castle Heights. And it just had opened up in December 92. It was open for a couple of months. And uh, he was looking to do shows. And Tom knew him from Jackson Heights. And he's my friend Kevin. I booked, oh, he just opened up a bar with a stage and everything. I'm like, really? Yeah. Uh, you want to come take a look at it and do some shows? Yeah. Okay. Went, never been to Jackson Heights a day in my life. I knew it was not that far from where the Mets play. That's all I knew. <laughs> like, it, like the Mets are not that far from there when I go to Flushing. So I went Jack and I, uh, Jack, and at the time, Jackson Heights was a scary hood, bad neighborhood, not, not a good neighborhood. 
Uh, so I remember going there. I'm like, and going there from the train station with Tom going, I'm, I'm not going to work it. No matter how great it is, I'm going back home and I'm never coming back to Jackson Heights. So the important thing is where you wearing sleeves. Yeah, I, I just, I, I just, I, and it was a long trek from Sheepset Bay where I was living on the train. It was three trains and a long ass walk uh, from the train station to the club on Northern Boulevard. So we so go there. Don't know why I ask you that? Kevin never wears sleeves. No, it's I never just, wear sleeves. Never his wear sleeves, arms are completely no. sleeved in tattoos. He never, yeah, wears, he never that, wears sleeves. That is true, but I do wear sleeves if I have to go to an occasion. Like uh, when I went to a wake time time, everybody was impressed that I was dressed up. I go, somebody died. <laughs> like you know, the old bets are off when somebody dies. <laughs> right. uh, uh, but so, long story short, I go in there and it's it's wow, just debaucherous and craziness and uh, two people were having sex on the pool table and uh and we go to the back and there's a tough biker looking element and i'm like yeah i'm doing like grunge shows in the safe part of long island and this this badass hood's not for me and i'm just thinking in my head but i met frank castle not the punisher but that's his name frank castle and i and i that's i become kevin castle later on in my uh gimmick and uh, he's so charming, and so, you know, I had met him before, but it was so hard to talk at the limelight with the noise factor and everything. So we got to be in a closed environment in the backyard sitting at a table, and he's smoking a cigarette, drinking a beer. I don't drink, so I'm, he gives me a soda. And he's just so charming, and he's just so, like, so into it and wants to make a success at his place. And he's very family-oriented. He's from Vigo, Spain. And, uh, you know, very, very, again, his uncle, Uncle Louie, was his partner, and his wife who worked, uh, remember the band uh, The Cranberries, Zombie, remember that song? Sure, of course, yeah. She worked for The Cranberries and Ziggy Marley, Ziggy Marley. So he got in your head, in your head. Yeah, yeah, and Island Records, the Island Records, she was a a co-executive at Island Records, so that's how he got the finance to open the place, his wife, you know, helped him out, but he's he's just a fan, metalhead, like he's just, he doesn't know how to book bands. You know, this would be great. We'll start out in the business together. I'm a new club owner. You're a new promoter. I think we get along. Let's do this. And I was just like, all right. He was like an Antonio Banderas. He was just a charming guy. And I was just like, I like this guy. I don't know. I think this could work. I have a real job. If it doesn't work out, it's not a big deal. I live with my brother, Joe. I split rent cheap at the time. So I go back home and I... You know, this, my friends like let's book death metal there because it's a you know it's a badass place. We're not gonna book like these light grungy rock bands. Let's do some death metal and hardcore. Uh, all right, I just don't want to book anything that's gonna have you know fights or anything. Goes well, you know anything can happen in any show. You can't think like that. So I had a, my original partner lasted with me by the way for about three months, and he got right. fired. He got fired by the owner of Castle Heights because he had said a disparaging remark about Frank's wife, and that got back ah. to Frank. That was not very nice. Right. Uh, and uh, so I was on my own. And again, uh, without going like too far into this, you know, uh, try and get to the end of the story. That's really where I started out, where I did a whole assortment of different music. My brothers, as you know, my brother, John, John Draper is a singer for hardcore bands over the years. Got more into rock at his later years as he got older, but as hardcore roots, my brother Mike is still a notable figure in the hardcore scene. So is my youngest brother, Mark, who's the most successful in hardcore in the band Shutdown, which is an international band. They played everywhere, uh, all over the world. And uh, so again, I had you know those connections for hardcore. I already had my own connections for rock. My partner was death metal. Uh, we had punk rock friends. with, And I just started booking a, a cavalcade of different acts there. And before you know it, it's uh, spring of 1993, and I turn around, and we're still there in 2002. Uh, so I'm there nine years later. 
Uh, and uh, we had a, just a 10-year run as a club. I was there for nine years and about nine years and eight months um, and must have booked 2,000 shows there over that 10-year period. Um, and that was where all the experience came from and a lot of big bands started out there. Some bands that some people listeners might be familiar with are bands like Hatebreed. Mastodon was a band that started out with us who's a international juggernaut band today. Uh, I mean, just a, a ton of bands. Lamb of God, uh, when they were called, uh, was it Bleed the Priest? Um, <laughs> they, there was just so many. I mean, I, I, my doorman just blows my mind when he reminds me of all Shadows Fall, Cryptopsy, Immolation, and all these bands that started out with us. Um, it was an amazing ride. It really was. And uh, I, to this day, the club gets a lot of love. Uh, it's just 20 year anniversary of its closing. It closed in November of 2002 uh, because the lease wasn't renewed. The owner of the property decided he didn't want to have a rock club there anymore. So he, uh, the place became a tapas bar. You know what tapas bars are? Yeah, right? sure. Delicious. Small place. Yeah. So uh, and that didn't last very long. And uh, and unfortunately, the property burned down uh, huh. about seven eight years ago. There was a tattoo shop that had a fire on top of the uh, property of the club or what, what became a restaurant. And the whole place burned. So it's not, everyone's like, oh, wouldn't it be great if you found someone with money and reopened it? I'm like, no, well, the, it's completely different now. It was gutted out and demoed, and it's a different building now. So it, it's it's gone. Almost it was apropos, as a lot of people said, because couldn't recreate that. But that's where I got my start, and I was there for 10 years. And I had lost my job at the Institute of Justice over with layoffs in the late 90s. And I was doing so well and, and, and uh, so busy at the club that I never went back to nine to five jobs. And I remained in the club business from 97 on. And everything I did was in the club business. Podcasting was a side business. As you know, Jeff, it was never a living for me or anything that would bring in any kind of revenue to make a living. Thank goodness but, it's not for me. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's, I, geez. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, some people, again, I named the bigger, you know, the Jasons, the JDs, the Conrads. That's another level. If I, maybe I could have gone to that level, but I never did. Uh, and, and that's where you can make a quote unquote living out of doing that gig. But that it was a side gig for me. It was more passion project than, you know, uh, we're in the money. Um, so yeah, I had to make a living. So the club business, I was booking Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, Sundays. I was booking all the entertainment. We were doing sublets, which I do today, rent out the club to someone, help them organize it, staff it, uh, secure the event. I'm almost like today I'm almost, I'm not a promoter anymore. I'm, I'm a head of bookings and I'm an events manager. So I, do you have to do the contracts? Do you like submit the contracts? We don't. I haven't done a contract since I've been back from COVID at the new place. I haven't been involved with any contracts. Everything has been on a gentleman's agreement and a, a handshake and a verbal agreement with the ownership that gets handed on to me. We haven't done any contracts since we've been back. That's even the funny sublets? thing. Even for sublets, even for movies that we've uh, rented the place out for, from major HBO. For, we haven't, I don't know if my boss has signed anything. I think he's forgotten after time. And after time, everything went fine anyway, and there was no problems. It's, uh, believe it or not, those kind of agreements still work when you have the two parties that just honor what they verbally say they're going to do. And it's a small venue. It's not anything that is so grandiose that there's so many, you know, uh, uh, I's to uh, dot and T's to cross with this place. It's a small place. Um, so you're making it, my, you're making my, uh, I'm, I'm getting like cringy. I'm like having like, you know, conniptions right now. Yeah. Cause you're, yeah. Cause you're, you're on the legal side of it, but no, I mean, I think it's, 
uh, it's a testament to the ownership of that club who was around long before I got there. They were competition of mine. If anything, I, I was on another team. It was almost like I was a, a Red Sox and I became a Met or I, I was a Met and I became a Dodger, um, you know, wearing a different jersey and stuff. It's the same game, but I'm wearing a different uniform. Uh, and I, funny enough, I took some of the players from my old team and got them jerseys and they play for this team now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, that the old club I worked at was all contracts in Queens, which has now been cl- closed down. COVID wasn't able to sustain during COVID uh, called Blackthorn 51. And they did major shows there and ownership always had contracts with hip hop places and stuff. I never got involved in that. I would just be the go- the go-to guy and, and basically to uh, set the table and make sure everything was good to go, start times, staffing, scheduling, um, any band needed kind of a little coddling because they were boo-boo face over something, I'd be the guy to talk to them. Uh, Yeah, I was kind of like a liaison is the best way to describe it, kind of like the publicity relations liaison, uh, where, matter of fact, the, the, the whole thing, let, let Kev do his talking thing with them, he'll, he'll take care of it. And they to this day, I, I get calls from ownership and say, this guy's guy's all bent out of shape about this and that. Can you get on the phone and uh, you know do your thing and kind of calm fixer. him down? Yeah, be a fixer, calm him down, but not You're in a bullshit way, out. right? Not. I would say some people have compared me, not even joking around, not literally, but to Robert Duvall and the Godfather, the consigliere type of guy, uh, the Duvall guy who goes in and tries to negotiate. He's not the muscle, but you know he has maybe a look of he could be. But oh, okay, he's not the he's not the a thug guy. He's a, he's a brain trust guy. So okay, um, and uh, yeah, maybe like a little bit of, of the Wolf Cat, Mr. Wolf from uh, Pulp Fiction. Uh, yeah, that kind of guy. I mean, not the the tippy top guy, but the guy underneath the underboss type of guy. But the guy with the bedside manner who could make you walk away, a uh, guy told me the other day something that made, he goes, I always feel better when I talk to you on the phone. Like when I'm playing here and I have like a, a little, even a little something of doubt, modicum of doubt, I talk to you, I feel better about it. I goes like, oh yeah, like, okay. And it was nothing that I really did other than reiterate certain things and, and go over stuff that we went over already and we double checked and triple checked and it wasn't anything I did. I mean, it was just a talking thing, and then we'd wind up but talking about it. Yeah, you listen, and then, hey, you think the Mets are going to have a good year this year? Oh, yeah, yeah. And they get off the phone. They're like, yeah, we're all good. And then I just got an email from a, a band that rented out the club on Sunday and just raved about the sound guy that I got for that show. It was so great. And uh, that the fact that the owner came down to watch the event, he was honored to meet him. And it's just, again, dude, these are little – I think everybody likes to feel – special in their own way and i think when someone um it's almost like a complaint department you get a call right away from the store and it's like you know mrs jones and mrs jones is the nice one and in the in the shop and oh thank you for calling me back yeah i i love i love going to your place i just had a little bit of a problem when i was there and i just want to vent a little bit can can you hear me out and i'll be like yeah tell me what's up and i think that's really what it is people want to be heard and they want to feel like you are not blowing them off or you're going to be cryptically sarcastic or like oh fuck this like i'm gonna they don't think i hang up the phone and go oh fuck this guy you know what i'm saying they feel like kev really understood my issue about like this technical problem i had last time and he assures me that's not an issue and i i think that's what it is and even if something does go wrong they felt like it's nobody's fault because obviously some it's something we couldn't figure out and it was just the elements and things just happened. No one did it on purpose and the sound man wasn't was on his game. It was a technical glitch. 
people just want i understand they want their events it's like having a wedding they want it to go perfectly they have right. a show or a record release party we had a thing the other night where we played a video and the video had no sound and uh i remember one of the guys i'm, I'm at home i wasn't there for that show i don't need to be there most times but because uh, the home office is literally where i'm talking to you right now and uh it'd be like i can't figure out the sound and i said well Introducing the Dunkin' Run, a dollar donut with any medium coffee. A whole new era of... I'm going on a Dunkin' Run. You want anything? Yeah, maybe a jelly donut and an iced coffee? You got it. Wait, actually glazed donut and a hot coffee. Mm. Okay, back on track. Make it a Dunkin' Run. Get a $1 donut with any medium coffee. America runs on Dunkin'. Exclude specialty donuts and fancies. Offer valid on medium or larger coffees. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply text one of the sound men they'll the, the our main sound guy will hit you back right away he'll walk you through it while you're talking to me talk to the, to the head guy and just text alexi he'll 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 and then by that time they text me back goes band's cool with it they just said forget it they're gonna play it live and i was like uh-oh and after i know i'm gonna get an email dude the video didn't work and we had to play it live it turned out it was the best thing because everyone loved that they played it live and they didn't watch it on the screen that they actually played the song live and in person and it got over so much better so the guy said nah man i didn't even care that there was no sound i told the sound man cut it and we just played it live i was like great great all worked out yeah it's so all worked out when you say this when you book a band who, who who starts the booking process do you do you start it by contacting the band does the band contact you both it's 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 uh 50 of my job is me going out and getting clientele and 50 is them coming to me and me placing them doing placement job placement almost uh, does the club keep, have like a budget per show or per no like it, band it, range or does the, 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 the go ahead sorry. we we operate in a weird like not in a weird way kind of in the way of the 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 l13 way which is uh, I called them up. We had a band the other day who had a ridiculous amount of money they wanted, and I called the ownership and got on the phone with them. And they usually throw it back to me and go, well, what do you, what do you want to do? I was like, if we, the money is not made, can you guys cover it and cover the staff expense of it? What's the chances we'll have to do that? I mean, 70, 30 in your favor. All right, yeah, we'll take that chance. It's not even 50. No, it's better than 50, 50. Okay, but you know, most likely we won't have to. But if we do, how much will it be? And I'll tell him how much. Like, yeah, we could cover that. That's not where old ownership. If he lost a dime or a dollar, I would never hear the end of it. I mean, I would hear it so constantly. I would put the phone down and iron my pants while he was venting on the phone, and wouldn't even be talking to him. Literally, I would just be like, and just be like, you know. uh, But this ownership is just they have the they have the Vegas Atlantic City attitude. We win some, we lose some. This business is a gamble. If we sign off on it, it, it begins and ends with us. We don't blame you. You're our guy, but we're not almost like a manager. Hey, it's on me. We lost the series. It's not on my hitter because he struck out. The guy got 10 home runs for us in the last six games. He struck out in this game. That's not his fault. I probably shouldn't have batted him third. I should have put him in fifth. So, again, ownership takes responsibility. That's what I love about this club is that the, the, the responsibility is that, hey, our name, we own this place. You know, where other places used to work for, put it on the staff. It was so ridiculous. But uh, you hope to be majority winner in the club business. You, But you have to prepare to lose. You can Every show cannot hit. It's impossible. 
So let's just say that, that your average budget for a band, let's just say the Mustangs. I'm making up band names here. And, you know, your average is the target is, is your average show per band is they get $5,000. But instead of the Mustangs, it's, uh, I don't know, uh, Roger Daltrey has a, a new band and he's coming around. And the, they mus- want the Muskrats. Seven, the Muskrats. The Muskrats. Right, and they and they want seventy five hundred. You're like, I send I send them I send I send them to the Monarch, which is a much bigger club. Actually, when there are bands, honestly, what you're saying plays into what I'm my reply, which is if it's out of our budget, I send them to one of our competition clubs. Okay, uh, and actually, so you, guys, you guys stay within your budget. It, yeah, no, I stay within what's realistic for the club to not only break even but turn a profit, but always break even. The, uh, if you have to break even or turn a profit. You can't lose. I never understood people who are bookers or in-house events managers or help plan stuff who go going and go, oh, we're going to lose our ass, but it's going to be a hell of a show. I'm like, I look up in the air almost like the rock with my eyebrow, and I'm like, you're losing your ass going in? Well, God, dude, you know how much money they get? Yeah, that's why I'm not doing them. Why are you doing it? Well, you know, it's. I think it'll be a, a good publicity for the club. It, it's, it's for the bigger picture. And I'll say it might not be for the bigger picture. It might actually – it's pretty deflating for a club and ownership at the end of the night to, to tank it, come out of the register and have to pay everybody, and their profit for the night, which could have been a blockbuster, was $200, which doesn't even cover the liquor bill for that night. What was the point? That, uh, to, to operate at a loss makes no sense to me. I never got that. Never understood that. No, no, you say no. You say no. <laughs> you say no. That's like if someone, you know, I date within my means. If there's some hot girl and she's like, I only go to five star restaurants. I'm like, well, see ya. It was a nice fantasy, you know. So, <laughs> I, you have to stay with. There's people. My mother used to say, "Your eyes are too big for your stomach." Where you go out to eat, I want to eat that. I want that. I'm going to get that for dessert, and then it's all sitting there, and you got a stomach ache. It's like, why'd you order that food? Oh, I thought I could do it. I know what my limitations are in this business, and I think ego is what gets uh, clubs and promoters in trouble. I've worked for owners like that who've hid in office because they didn't have the money to pay an act, and they were trying to figure it out, and they were calling their wife and seeing if they could take it out of their personal account. And I'm shaking my head. I'm like, we shouldn't have done this show. I mean, I'm not talking about now. I'm talking about clubs I worked for over the years where I've run into literally a hiding club owner in the back where I'm like, what's up? I'm actually short like thousand dollars i'm like and even with ask staff for it you know what fronted for me i'll pay double next week and i'm just like why did we do i knew this was gonna happen oh i thought i i didn't realize that you know the overhead and you even warn people but um there's even competition clubs now that i see every week who do these events that are way over their head and i wonder how they even paid their dj because i don't know where the money would have came from it's so expensive now uh inflation has hit the club business hard drinks are more expensive now um ticket pricing is not so bad in the local clubs like our average show is like between 12 and 15 dollars to get it's not bad at all actually people have commended us for keeping the show prices down that that's me i've actually spearheaded shows to be between 12 and 15 dollars at all times my philosophy is cheaper than a movie that's almost like our logo at this point it's cheaper than a movie and you get more time to hang out and see much more bands because uh, you, you even make going, money on alcohol anyway right you do when you don't it depends i mean here's the thing when you promise um 50 people right we're going to draw 50 people whatever 
they don't know if those 50 people are going to drink. And I have seen many times where people walked in, they walked to the back performance room, they watched the band, and half of them never went to the bar to purchase anything. So right, what the right. fuck was gained? So they'll say, we packed it out tonight. How do we do? At the door, fine. Bar revenue, nada, nothing. Right. Oh, is that bad? Uh, yeah, for the sublet rental to give you the back room and the bar not to benefit off of that. And the bartender's made $30 in tips for five hours. And it's not good. So because they can't figure out, so like, well, look at the room. I'm like, half the people didn't drink, dude. I watched them literally bypass the bar. So it's like they're sitting at the tables. They ain't drinking anything. There's no drink minimum in our club. Uh, and they don't want to do that. There's, that's never going to be forced on anybody. There's been clubs that have done that, and it has been hell for the staffs because they have to go around and check and make sure people got their two-drink minimum and badger them and bother them. Uh, it's not pretty, dude, when you got to do the minimum. It's not pretty. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure that there are different philosophies on that. But uh, you also manage some bands. I'm not going to ask the particulars about the bands that you manage, but uh, what is... You know, I'm sure your band has a particular ask that they ask for. But as a manager, what's like the going rate? What is your manager's commission? Uh, it's 15%. 15%. 15%. Is that yeah. pretty standard in the industry? Yeah, it's a tendency. It used to be 10 years ago. Most, a lot of people make it 20. But 50, again, I always go somewhere to the affordable middle is my philosophy with everything. And that's why I always, uh, again, with keeping – Admission price is low, for, uh, cheaper for shows. If I see our competition has a uh, you know show for, that's eighteen dollars to get, and I make it fifteen. If I see it's fifteen, I make it twelve, uh, and that's the good thing, you know. And on- when ownership goes to you and go, what do you think? That's the best feeling because for eight years in Queens, it was this is what it is, and I'd be like, yeah, but uh, okay. It's on you guys if it goes bad. I'm like, well, it's not on us. You're the boss. Like, it's not. It's not on us. F- f- your philosophy is it's on us. Literally, it's on us. We're workers. We're not the ownership. So I always That's thought that funny. that was funny. I, I and that owner, by the way, has got more money than God and made sure he had had that money. And I think he'll be buried with it. But uh, <laughs> th- this this one is like, no, you guys work. Your staff again. We open this place. We know the pitfalls of having staff payouts and stuff. It's not on you. That's not your title. You know, our name's on the marquee, not yours. So right. it's like, I said, well, you should tell, talk to my old boss in Queens. He, he didn't have that philosophy at all. He almost well, put it on the coat. surprise. I mean, that's the way it should be. The, the, the owner takes the risks and, and gets the reward. The, Absolutely. The employees well, well, are paid. I mean, they're yeah, right. You're right. Jeff, that's like them going up to Sammy Zane, like uh, Triple H saying, you didn't sell all the merch tonight that we thought you would, so we're going to take it out of your next check, uh, right. you know, because uh, that, we have to offset the expense. So that's going to come out of you. Because you headline tonight. And it'd be like, I mean, again, I worked for some characters over the years. Not Like I said, no names mentioned. But just head spinning. You're, you're a business guy. You're a legal guy. You would be shocked by some of the, the precedent that was set by these guys, what their philosophy of right and wrong was in business. And you would probably be like, that's completely illegal. Like you would, it just, and, and it's almost like a blue wall of silence in the club, almost like with the, the police department. You, you kind of don't tell tales out of school. You can be cryptic about it like I am and not name names. But there's no one who literally comes out and posts something and names names because then you'll be an albatross in the business and nobody will ever hire you. So I could do it in a joking fashion, in a past tense fashion. But if you do it in the present tense and name names and, and drop dimes on people in the industry, you, you'll never last. I, I, you'd right. be, black, you'd be blackballed. Yeah, you'd be blackballed. N- out of nobody business. likes a crook, but everybody hates a snitch. 
<laughs> right, but what they do like is people admitting at least that there's chicanery in the business, like in the like in wrestling. Like, oh, you guys get along. Oh, yeah, we're one big family. Oh, god, dysfunctional. Yeah, there's a bunch of because there is a bunch of, of misfits, miscreants, and ne'er the wells in the club business. There absolutely is, but there's a lot of good uh, people too. People who don't drink, don't do drugs, straight as arrows, sober as a church mouse, uh, don't partake in any of that kind of stuff, and are well, all you, about. You're business. completely straight edge, aren't you? Yeah, I'm completely, I'm completely straight edge. I mean, but, uh, you know, I'm talking about people who really are, I mean, I'm a decision maker to a degree, but I'm talking about the ultimate decision makers, uh, are the ownerships. And I've worked with some real colossal disaster ownerships and some real good ones. Ones I work with now are, are so good in business. I mean, they're around for years and years. And that goes back to the beginning of the show, longevity. And I think, again, longevity, I think, is, is, is a, a proven testament to someone who has, Maybe hasn't been the biggest deal in the business, but someone who was a deal in the business and right. uh, a player, you know, just like we see in wrestling. And that guy's been around. I say it all the time. There's nothing wrong with a Tito Santana-like career. You know what I mean? Yeah, I probably have that in the club business. And, and you know what? I'll, I'll take it. That's your new name, the, the Tito Santana Castle. Um, Kevin, well, Kevin Santana. Kevin Santana. Right. <laughs> Kevin Santana. You, you can raise your commission when, once you book like two or three you know, tours where they're doing 80, 80 shows opening for Metallica. Then, you know. Uh, then yeah, they- I mean, I don't, I, you know, when it comes to my bands, we have such a, a weird thing. We don't even have a set thing sometimes uh, because one thing that changed the game, a key factor that has to come in this conversation, was COVID. I mean, 16 months of locking us out, basically, of our jobs, clubs, no shows, no touring, 16 months on the money. And we are back not even two years. It's going to be this July. It'll be two years since we're back. And before that, 16 months of closed down, why I'm back on, on another team, so to speak, now, not at that old team that I used to be at, the bigger team, because the bigger team imploded during COVID because of the back rent and everything. They just couldn't make it. Was, I knew when COVID hit, uh, once we got past the summer and we were already closed down six months, I knew we were finished. I knew it. And then right. the announcement just wasn't made till like a year later, officially. But I knew it. Staff was like, so, Kev, you going back when we reopen? I'm like, guys, that, that club ain't reopening. It's impossible. Hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. How? Well, they have the loans, and, and they have the, 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 the there's these charities that are helping clubs out and save our stages. You know how many people applied for that? You know how difficult right. that was to get money from that operation? Right, and that, and the Save Our Stages was mostly for Broadway anyway. But, oh, they, I mean, do you, do you think that the owners kept it open just to apply for the PPP loans and, and then just couldn't ride it out, or were they just waiting for the right tax year to you know. I'm not sure I I don't know what the one that I used to work at went because I was uh so kind of I have my own boo-boo face and bitterness at, at the ownership of that club because uh during covid none of us were contacted or asked how we were doing by ownership being there we were there for 8 years and we were on the pay no mind list I remember one time one of the owners called me up during Halloween of 2020, we had been closed since uh, March, by the way, here from on Halloween. And he called to ask me uh, if I was going to see some movie. And I said, oh, I'm alive, by the way. And, uh, <laughs> you know, my, my whole family was wiped out by COVID. I mean, it was almost comical. I said, dude, what's today? What do you mean? Was Halloween. When was the last time we spoke? <sighs> Months. Months, March 11th. I go, I work for you, Faye. 
Well, you know, you could have called me. I go, I think the onus is on you to check on your staff. What do you mean I could have called you? I just, I was shaking my head, and I, right there I decided, I go, I'm not going back. Because this was, you know, they say, like, you know, who you'd be in a foxhole with if things got bad, or who you would turn to, like who you would fight side by side with and who you think would turn tail and run. I, I realized that day, I mean, just that, wow, it's a real, I joke and cryptically clown around what a heartless business the club is this COVID hit this worldwide pandemic it was like all right you know push everybody out the door save myself save my equipment my foundation my money apply for grants but uh, the staff guys uh yeah hopefully they'll be okay and uh I, I I didn't like that at all because I saw other clubs doing GoFundMe stuff for their staff people uh, from everyone who, like I said, from Coach Check, the people who worked the kitchen to serve food at the clubs. And everyone's like, yeah, did, did your boss take care of him? I'm like, we got nothing. We, we left that club with nothing. You? You left with... I go, I got not a dime during COVID from the club. As you remember, I would go on my shows and vent that uh, I'm seeing people who are in the business for like three years uh, come out with some sort of like, you know, safety umbrella of, of finances because they their ownership looked out for them, wanted to retain them when they reopened and bring the staff back. I was from just fr- this fractured team that just was every man for himself. And I was like, I, I got to go to another team. I got to get off this fucking ship. Uh, and sure enough, it was going down anyway. That was another thing. We never got a heads up that they were officially going out of business until it was posted on Facebook. But that, mm-hmm. but, but the, the, the beautiful thing, Jeff, is I was first thanked in the thanks list from ownership for his dedication over the years. Yes, Kevin Castle. We want to give him a special shout-out. Yeah, Kevin Castle would have liked uh, to be able to pay his Con Ed bill that, at that time. But other than that, so, yeah, I, I made the move, and what I did, and I think – these guys, I hope that hopeful they're grateful for it. I took some of those other displaced, jaded workers from that venue, and I brought them with me to this place, and they're with me to this day. I got them not- basically. I looked out for them and got them jobs when no one looked out for me, basically. And that's not a brag; that's just what I did. Very good. So yeah. they owe me, Jeff. They owe me, Jeff. They owe me. You think you'll ever cash in? I'll never cash in. I didn't even say thank you half the time when I give them the jobs today. So. There's a there's a thank you problem, Jeff, in the club business. Thank you, please, and sorry are, are very difficult words to come by in the club business. Well, Kevin, I think that nobody else except the two of us will care about this, including people listening to it. But since you're my witness, that on February 22nd, 2023, at 7.40 p.m. Eastern, before Dynamite went on the air, I am telling you that my source told me what the announcement that Tony Khan is going to make is, and that it's... The, the the reality show that they've been working on for a while is, oh, is, is going to get an air is going to get an air date and it's live. <sighs> so that's the big announcement. So <laughs> I, 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 I try not to talk about wrestling on this show, but I want to at least document that I have a source that, that will either be proven to be right or wrong within the next two hours and 20 minutes. So, uh, of, you know, in real world time. So, and for those of you who aren't interested in wrestling, which is probably 90% of the Garden Views listenership, sorry. Um, but we'll, you know, try to do differently next time. Sure. Uh, Kevin, any tips or, or insights about the music business from any side of the coin that, that we should know about? I try to keep this show, you know, 45 minutes to an hour, but I want to let you uh, give us some, some things that you've learned other than what you said. Be loyal, be consistent, be reliable, be smart. Be <laughs> tenacious. Know? Yeah, be tenacious. Be uh, you definitely have to uh, you, you have to use your voice. You cannot survive in our industry now just texting people. You're going to have to get on the phone. There are bands who insist on speaking to you directly. 
They're insist bands who insist on on meeting with you, whether it's on uh, at the club or on a Zoom call. You can't just text and email and and, and never deal with people like in a in a verbiage uh, situation. Again, you make people feel a lot better when they talk to you. They feel like okay, I I feel better about this now, and I feel better too when I talk to them because sometimes you get some of these super cap people in text where everything's capitalized and I almost like they're yelling at you I'm like I'd rather them yell at me on the phone if that's the case let me get a <laughs> let me get a feel for the temperature of this chat and I get on the phone and it's a different world and they'll say the same thing it's like I really don't call people anymore but I wanted to to let you know that I wasn't mad and maybe it came off that way and uh it, it works out so good and people have actually even said because we even ownership is on board with me no, we we don't cold book anybody. We want you have to make a phone call to get to rent our room. You have to have a conversation with us. And people are like, oh, I, I can't just like get the information like you know in the text. Like, no, we we like to hear a voice. We like to hear a voice. And they'll be like, oh, okay. So we we're kind of bringing it back old school that way. I know there's restaurants and stuff who never even meet their clientele half the time. They book them for a table and they ask the way, hey, how did everything go with Mrs. and Mrs. Smith? Oh, yeah, everything was all right. It's so impersonal. Uh, I know everybody. When I book a band or a band gets rebooked, I know all the members' names. I know everybody. I I feel like uh, they feel like they know us. They know our staff guy's name. It's like the Cheers bar. Everybody knows everybody's name. Um, I make it very, like, personal. And, uh, again, you, everyone wants to feel special, even if it's to the slightest degree. So I think if you're going to be in, you know, it's it's almost like being in the in the food service industry or Restaurant, bar, club industry is in the same family. A rock club is different from a restaurant, but it's all about uh, customer service. You know what I mean? Hospitality. Right, hospitality. Like, listen, many times... Back in the day, you call and you get a nice maitre d on the phone. Yeah, I like to reserve a table. They have a little ha ha with them, and oh, how many? Oh, you bring your mom. Oh, okay, you know, we'll give you a nice table. Oh, it's your mother's birthday. I know exactly the table to give you, and you feel special. And they so you come into. Re- Were you the guy I talked to on the phone? Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Oh, happy birthday to your mom. People, Jeff, you'd be so surprised how far that goes. I mean, it really does. And it's not, and also not coming off fake and just being a guy, just treating a guy, a guy like another dude, like a dude treating another dude. You know, we talk about the gig and you do this for fun and blah, blah, blah. And even if someone doesn't have a great time, you get them to come back and you're like, you know what? You had an off night tonight. Everybody's entitled to an off night. We get them next time, and they always we always have repeat business. So I think that's that's also your goal. Never have a band or someone rent a room one and done. You never see them again. You want them to become a regular thing and do something with you on a regular basis. Rent out the place for a birthday party, engagement party, bachelor party. Uh, you know, obviously our our <laughs> motif in the ambiance of the club I work at now is uh, girls and rock and roll. We have the go go girls dancing on the bar and everything. So. Uh, you'd be surprised how many women uh, want to uh, rent out the uh, the place as much as men do. So it's interesting. That would be very interested in that, of course, uh, yeah. for, for educational purposes only. Um, would you say in the metropolitan New York area that you are more of a pro wrestling entertainment legend or more of a music industry legend? Probably music industry. I would probably right. say. Um, but there were people who came to 
uh, shows or times I was there, it's like, yeah, uh, the Barclay had a wrestling event tonight. A bunch of wrestling guys came to the club. They're like, Does Kevin work here? Is that the same Kevin who works here? Yeah, yeah. It was Tuesday night. He doesn't work on Tuesday nights. So it's <laughs> like, you know, so the Monday night, if they have a Monday night Raw there, I'm never there on Monday or Tuesday. So uh, and they'll go, but that's that same guy, right? It was like, yeah, no, I've been listening to him for years. That's there's, there's crazy. It's the same guy. Yeah. For you on Monday nights, you can make a little uh, extra coin. Couple of people I met at the old club that I worked at in Queens who were actually Patreons of me and Don Tony, and came to the club. And the guy was like a deer in the headlights. Was, I can't believe you're a real person. And it was just the, the way he said it. He was like kind of looking at me, and he's like, "And uh, so, do uh, you think CM Punk's going to come back?" Like he just was looking for stuff to say. It was almost kind of endearing. And he was just like, uh, uh, you know, he walked out. My doorman's like, "I saw this uh, guy Pete listens to the show." Goes on next week. Goes. I just can't believe I'm talking to you. It's like it's almost like I'd never I'd hear on the radio since like 2007, and I just like I, you know you do shows. This is what you do. Like you talked about it for all these years, and I'm at one of your shows, and I'm like, yeah, I said you probably were and didn't even realize it over the years. Maybe you know. It's so, true. Uh, I might have been at Ferraris. Uh, yeah, you might have been at Ferraris. Or... I might have booked the show. Well, I never, but you know, it's never me. My name presents. I'm part of, you know, Blackthorn Fifty One, Lucky Thirteen Presents. I'm, well, to jog I'm the guy memory, behind the scenes. Yeah, I would have been the very handsome guy who danced excellently, and all the girls fawned over me. So, oh, that, that okay. Be... Oh, you were that guy. Okay, I was you that were that guy. guy. Yeah. Exactly. You were probably at the uh, Draper show when they played uh, Ferraris. Yeah, the show I'm with sure. uh, Draper's uh, old uh, band Lament. I mean, if the, if the guy that fits that description was at the show, that was definitely me. But do you do remember that club? I mean, it was, uh, and if, I don't know if you remember. At it, 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 first, it was a pink motif. The building was, uh, the it was painted pink, and then they painted it black because, <laughs> I mean, just back in the time, they it looked like you know, like the Blue Oyster or something. It looked like you know, a club of a different type of club. No, uh, it was, you it, know, it was pink when because I was, at, I was almost never in New York past 1993. Uh, okay. actually, even before that, but uh, sometimes in the summers and, and whatever, and it was it was still pink, and that was the distinctive part of it. Um, I have to be honest, back then, I, I'm not even sure I was, I must have been aware vaguely of the concept of, of gay clubs, but I, 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 I don't know, it just didn't, you know... You know, we live on Long Island. There's a lot of beach clubs with pastel colors. It just, it just That is didn't... true. That's what people told me. I think when we got there and brought all the Brooklyn people there, they're like, is, is that the club? Are you sure? I'm like, yeah, that's – I'd seen it at night. I never saw it in the light. It was light out when we got there. I was like, oh, I didn't realize it was this color. They were influenced by the Flamingo Kid or something. It was, you know? it was, the, that's what I thought. But, yeah, it was, a, it was a pink club because they did do dance nights there. And quite honestly, I think the dance nights, especially in Long Island, did a lot better than the rock nights did. So, no, you know, that, First of all, let me clue you in. I went where the girl that I was seeing at the time wanted me to go. I mean, that, okay. that was the end of my thought process. Didn't matter what the building looked like. Didn't matter what color it was painted. Didn't matter what it was. It, was she a dance, dance music girl? I mean, or into yeah, rock and roll? Yeah, she she was. No, no, she was. She, I mean, I think she liked both, but she liked to dance. I mean, she, if she was going to a dance club, she preferred dance to like you know. Uh, Tina Marie and uh, you know and Nina Pebbles and Janet Jackson whatever was oh, going hey, on. Oh, that's time. old old school, yeah. Yeah, te- Technotronic or whatever. You know, well, it wasn't old school then; it was new then. I mean, ninety three. <laughs> I was what, the, what was I? Twenty four, twenty five. Yeah. So, so. 
Yeah, I was uh, yeah around the same age. So yeah, I think I was twenty four uh, when I started. But uh, yeah, I mean the the I I worked a couple of dance nights here and there just as extra security guy just for the hell of it. Those were crazy nights, and the industrial dance nights were really crazy. Where people basically had the pacifiers in their mouth that glowed in the dark. Like, you know, they had, like, these glow glow sticks and shit. And people would be sucking on, had pacifiers in their mouth, like a baby, and it glowed. And it was like... Yes, that was weird. That was a Yeah, I worked all the... The only shows I never worked at in the club is I never... And not any other reason that I just never worked them was uh, hip-hop shows, straight-up hip-hop shows I never worked. Uh, I worked every kind of music show, including blues, rock, uh, even a country show, uh, jazz show, jazz fusion. But I never worked a hip-hop show. Never worked. We've had hip-hop shows, but I wasn't staffed for that show i was always well, on the you know outside what? looking in there's still time and by the way when you said that you have patrons i just it just struck me right now as we're talking i'm i'm a patron of you in two places <laughs> is both, that true both dt and, and and wrestling soup so wow i'm i'm the greatest uh anyway that you are you're all the greatest that is true yes yes i think everyone should know so pass it around that should be anyway. your new nickname the greatest like the, the I mean, greatest. ali the muhammad ali maybe more the uh george foreman of uh of podcasters, take that anytime, anytime. Or the Ken I'll Norton, go. maybe even Ken Norton of podcasts. There you go. You know, well, that's okay. His son did pretty well for himself too before he lost his mind. But all right, that, yeah, that's I, true. I you don't want to, you just don't want to be the you just don't want to be the Jerry Cooney of podcasts. No, no, I, I definitely don't. And, and <laughs> even even worse than him, who who was the guy that Mike Tyson made his comeback again against? Uh, well, you could be the Mitch Blood Green of podcasts. Oh, really? he had personality. I'm no, I'm not cool enough to be Mitch. Blood oh, Green. Tre- Trevor uh, Trevor Burbeck. Who was the other guy? That no, it wasn't Trevor Burbeck, Burbeck. But I remember all Lennox Lewis. What about, remember, you know, uh, what about uh, James Bone Crusher Smith? Yeah, I remember, remember him. him. Remember I remember, him. remember Razor Ruddock. I was a big Razor Ruddock. Razor guy. Ruddock. Remember? Razor Ruddock, yeah. and uh, of course, Evander the Commander Holyfield. Yes, yeah, yeah. I had a friend who loved Evander Holyfield. I mean, the one who, a... uh, one of the uh, two people who stopped Mike Tyson in his tracks. Who was the other one? Buster Douglas. Buster, Buster Douglas. Douglas. Yeah, I, yeah. I remember seeing that fight. Like that was, that was, that was the rock. Nineteen ninety. Nineteen ninety. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the other warrior the won the the way. Ultimate warrior won the title. That's right. That guy also was uh, the the guy whose house I watched that. He was also a Cincinnati Reds fan, and they won the uh, World Series that year. Anyway, we're definitely going astray. I think the audience knows that. Obviously, I've been on for a while, so we go astray. <laughs> I can't thank you enough for your time uh, no because problem, I don't want to have any more technical issues, and I don't want to try to play with putting a song on. I'm just going to say the outro is, it's a part of my rock and roll fantasy. People play it in your head. Um, tune in next week with Garden Views. You can follow Kevin. Well, I'm going to let Kevin tell you where you can be a follow. Kevin, how can, can they follow you and support you? Where can they find uh, you? Twitter, I'm on, uh, it's Kev, K-E-V-Z, as in Zorro, Castle, C-A-S-T-L-E, Kev Castle, uh, um, uh, Kev Z Castle on Twitter, and uh, am I on Facebook? Yeah, I'm on Facebook. I think, well, you just punch in Kevin Castle, it'll take you to all my uh, uh, social media platforms. I'm Castle Lifer One on Instagram, Castle Lifer Number One on Instagram. Instagram. Jeez, I don't think I've ever seen a picture of you. Except for the no, I'm always on. Pretty... I'm always on Instagram. I'm on oh, Instagram. I, I've well, actually for the, well for the I, club. I'm on Instagram. Yeah. Oh, true story. I deleted my Instagram account because it was so annoying. All the all the notifications. Uh, um, yeah, I just like to see hot pictures of my female friends, and that's pretty much the only reason I'm on there. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I get that. I just, I just, I like. I, well, it doesn't matter. I, I'm not even really that interested in that. I um, so <laughs> you don't need to be, Jeff. I'm a single man. You don't need to right. be. I do. Right. 
Yeah, you've got the you've got the Castle Chronicles on the on the uh, Don Tony Patreon. Patreon, You're part of yeah, the Wrestling Soup uh, family uh, is is Castle and Chicky off of hiatus yet? I don't think so. Uh, no, uh, tomorrow night I I got the show with Trez, who's my other female co-host. Um, Kev the Groundbreaker Castle, who brought females into the Soup Don Tony uh, Kevin Castle family years ago. So I'm still with Trey. Yeah, if people even think that I don't do anything with Don Tony anymore, they'd be wrong. I'm still on the same Patreon that we've always been on. We do business on the Patreon, still do. Uh, so you can check me out there on Don Tony's uh, Patreon every Thursday night at 10 o'clock. And tomorrow night I'm with Trez, who's been with me seven years now on that Patreon. My God. Uh-huh. Uh, so that's 10 o'clock tomorrow night. Wrestling Soup, me and Mish did, did a show today. That should be posted, I think, tomorrow. That's in the mainstream. That's a free show on all public platforms. A uh, new episode of Wrestling Soup where we talk about, of course, the Elimination Chamber, the rise of Sami Zayn, what's going to happen at WrestleMania. We got into a lot of good debate today. Uh, on that show, Castle and Chicky Podcast Adventures, still on hiatus. Uh, my co-host has some personal things she's dealing with in life, and uh, I'm busy enough, too, so it was actually not a welcome time, but I'm give her all the time she needs before we come back. Uh, it could be soon. It could be sooner. It could be later, but we'll be back at some point this year. I just don't know exactly when, but we will be back. And, and for those who don't know, Castle and Chicky is not a wrestling show. No, no. It's, it's about pop culture, show business, uh, really whatever. 80s, you know. 90s, yeah, retro, music, clothing, fashion, uh, movie reviews, TV series reviews, classic television. It's a great, that's a straight-up passion project. Baseball Chicky, you can see her. She's kind of a notable uh, kind of a Twitter celeb, so to speak. Um, uh, so yeah, and we, we're real life friends. I know her for 22 years, real life. Her brother used to play for me in a band, uh, met her decades ago and we're great friends. And that, that's just a pleasure of a show. I miss that show just from a fun aspect. So that, that show I do for fun and for free all day long. So I, I look forward to that coming back. Excellent. And for any of you who are checking the show, just to hear Kevin's story, um, Please check out my other show, Garden of Doom. And if you want to check out my wrestling podcast, you can, you know, once you search, you can find it. But uh, Garden of Doom is my passion project. So anyway, thanks again, Kevin. I'm going to let you go because I know that you're anxiously awaiting Dynamite starting because I know you never miss it. Um, yeah, he, he tries to miss it as often as possible. Jeff, I'll be honest with you. I'm going back to work. I have a bunch of shows I have to confirm tonight. I'm probably not. I'll have it on in the background. And like usual, I'll turn my head. If something is appealing, I'll look to the right and see. And then I'll just put my head back on the computer and get where I do my best work, actually, between uh, the hours of 8 uh, p.m. and 2 a.m. So I'm always on my game then. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a creature of the night, man. I do my best work at night. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you for being on the show, and I'll be listening to you. I'll probably be hearing you tomorrow uh, again. But always good talking to you in the real. Sometimes I get confused whether I'm listening or talking. Um, but <laughs> that comes with us being, you know, basically Biden's age. Anyway, all right. Thank you again, Thanks, Kevin. Man. Thank you, audience. Check us out. Peace. Rate, review, and check out Kevin's stuff. Follow him on Twitter and Instagram and all the other good stuff if you're in New York. Go to the club. If you're if he's there, go say hello. Pretend you're a wrestling fan. If you are a wrestling fan, don't pretend. Um, all right, everyone. See you next week.